2: author and producer of several Manchester United books and films, joined as always on this journey by the legendary football writer Paddy Barclay and this, if I may say so, in my humble opinion, the greatest sports, uh, the greatest football writer of um, our country's history. And I thought I'd drop that in just before I could disagree to take you on this journey through <laughs> all history. If you are watching this video, please give it a like and subscribe and join in the conversation in the comment section. Uh, you can do that if you're watching it live or on, on replay, if you're listening to the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and give us a review on the platform. You are listening on. Paddy, Manchester United continued the rebuild into the 60-61 yeah. season now. Um, the, the, the rebuild, obviously, is referencing to, to the post-Munich um, progression the United are in at the moment. as um, Because they went on the long post-season tour last time, uh, there was no pre-season this time round and, you wonder if that um, maybe this played into United's disastrous start to the season because they only win two two wins in the first ten games. They lose seven times. Yes, there's the post Munich transition, and, and that's going to play a big part in that. But maybe because of the fact that United have started this their own trend. I know that pre seasons were coming in around football, but perhaps this was an indication that you know it might be a good idea to get um, some players warmed up before the season begins. Yeah, yeah, definitely um, an example of that.
3: Um, it was, yeah, a, a flat-footed start um, that eventually, so, you know, I can't remember the exact time, but it, sort of early autumn, they were third from the bottom and, and, and Matt Busby was feeling a bit of pressure. Uh, the crowds were dropping off a bit and uh, there was a sort of an atmosphere of depression um, relative depression about the place. Um, some players, Charlton, Fulte, um, and, and Violet were suffering the psychological after effects of Munich. I know it's we're talking two years on, but two years is a very short time uh, or can be in, in, in terms of, of the trauma. Uh, of, of disaster, the sense of loss and grief. Um, so the, yes, it was very, very difficult. But but Busby, uh, who himself uh, was still suffering the after the physical after effects and mental of of Munich, um, was under pressure, and this was uh, shown. David Meek, the the great Manchester Evening News um, long serving uh, Cor- United correspondent, told me that. Um, at one stage with busby under pressure he thought you know i'll do a i'll do a story i'll i'll go to harold hardman the chairman and and see what he says and 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 because knowing that he would back matt uh which he duly did david uh, wrote hardman says you know the chairman says matt's position is utterly safe he's done so much for the club and that the future couldn't be in safer hands. Blah blah blah, and Busby was furious, and not uh, because he he felt that you know he accused David of trying to cause trouble and 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 all that and going behind his back, and that was an indication that that Matt felt under a lot of pressure, um, and uh, and 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 United were in notional relegation trouble, but but results did improve and in some cases quite spectacular.
2: Yeah. It's incredible to think that at this point Busby's been in charge for fifteen years. Yes, mm-hmm. there's been the crash, but he's been a long time in charge. So um you can quite understand where his frustration comes from basically because I mean Busby uh, at this moment in time, um Iron Fist is probably too strong a term. to put it but he's got complete control of all traffic as was given to yeah. him. so He doesn't see. I mean, there would never be an indication to him that there's any kind of positional threat. So while Meek's intentions were great, you can understand why Busby was affronted that he didn't approach him first and foremost, because as far as Busby would have been concerned, he would have been the figurehead. You don't need to talk to the chairman. Everything's under Busby's control. The idea of...
3: um, That's that's true. I think that was was how he felt. And you could imagine Alex Ferguson, yet in many ways a different... Sort of character to uh, to Matt uh, reacting in exactly the same way, but perhaps more predictably.
2: Yeah, and so the you mentioned that the um, the position was poor in the table, so poor in fact that Busby early on in the season started ringing the changes a little bit. And we talked yeah. about some some players um, coming into the team post Munich. Obviously, those ones who came in the Sheffield Wednesday game and the forthcoming games in the FA Cup run. Were have gone down in history and we've already talked about them on, on this podcast. Now, moving forward already two years, there's a new group of young players who have come into the side. Um, again, perhaps not benefiting from the long-term education of the youth team, the reserves, the A team. They're mm-hmm. still skipping a generation. And I, I think you can say that for all of these players, really. Johnny Giles, Jimmy Nicholson, Ian Meyer. And, um, and on the 1st of October... Um, a young lad called Nobby Styles makes his debut to mm-hmm. basically come. He's coming in to play in his hero, Eddie Coleman's number four shirt. So already there's a turnover of two lots of players in yeah. the post Munich um, years, which is really, when you think about it, remarkable, yeah. isn't it, Paddy? I mean, that kind of yeah. comes, Busby had got such a good groove in, in longevity and um, consistency with the, the team. Post uh, pre Munich, now yeah. this massive turnover of obviously including the likes of Crowther and McGuinness who have already left for different reasons. It's mind boggling how, how, yes, many players it is. But the,
3: I mean, the, 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 if the players that you've already mentioned that in a way they make the point of how wide the net is now spread. Um, Mo- Ian Moyer, the, the winger, was from. Um, from, I think, Aberdeen, but certainly yep. Scotland. Um, uh, Jimmy Nicholson from Northern Ireland. Uh, by the way, United scout Bob Bishop is already busy on another talent up there, a 14-year-old kid called George Besby. He's very small, so might not make it, but, you know. Um, in, in, to the south, um, Billy Bean, great United scout in uh, the republic of ireland uh, has already sent over united had to pay for uh, tony dunn even though he's a teenager for, had to pay five thousand to shelburne uh, for for such a talent um so they're coming from all over the united kingdom the farthest flung uh, parts um and yet maybe the one who made the biggest, well, definitely the one who made the biggest impression was right on the door United's doorstep in Colliehurst, and that was Nobby Styles. But there's an interesting story, if I may, Wayne, about about Nobby. As you rightly say, he makes his debut um in the autumn of the season 60-61 that we're talking about. But Nobby might not have had such a distinguished career but for Harry Gregg. What happened was that United played a uh friendly at hibbs and as you know the united's habit was to put take kids on these trips and nobby didn't play in the game against hibbs i think it was a testimonial up there in edinburgh but he was brought along just to get a smell of the first team action and uh frankly to help lug the kit around so And he was at the back of the bus and he was playing cards with a few of the other young players. And uh, Harry Gregg noticed that uh, he was holding the cards right up to his face. And um, anyway, he had a word with uh, Nobby, young Nobby, Harry did, about this and and Nobby Styles he, he, Harry noticed that one of the players actually was calling him Blind Pew, and uh, he said, "Have you got a problem with your eyesight, son?" And he, he, he tried to deny it, but uh, then he it came out. He told Harry that yeah, when he was at school, you know, the kids used to he, he wore these glasses, and, and and the kids used to call him Specky and all that kind of stuff, and, he'd, and he'd tease him. So decided to sort of cover it up. And if he was playing cards or reading, he would hold things straight up. Anyway, Happy was in training and getting treatment, actually, from Ted Dalton one day, and Matt came in. And uh, Harry says, did you know that the boy, Stiles, he's got an eyesight problem. Anyway, Ted's sort of thinking, well, you know, you really have to tell Matt that. Matt said, really? He said, yeah, yeah. So uh, Matt calls for Styles, and eventually Styles admits he has, so he's got a problem with his eyes. So Matt said, right, Ted, make sure the boy Styles goes to an optician, uh, and and quickly. And that was why Styles started wearing uh, contact lenses, only during matches, but... um, It was, while wearing contact lenses uh, and with his better eyesight, um, that he was to win the game's greatest prizes with Manchester United and England. So, uh, well done, Harry Gregg, for, uh, you know, um, seeing the elephant in the room and and, and getting Nobby sorted out with the eyesight uh, problem. And and it was, uh, presumably, with... um, the contact lenses in that
2: he he scored quite quite early on in his in his career and he he was playing, playing midfield. Yeah, he, played, he scored a goal against Newcastle, which he um, he described as being in the the vein of Eddie Coleman, his hero. Um, and well, Eddie,
3: Eddie Eddie Coleman was was deadly from two yards.
2: That was what uh, <laughs> that
3: was what uh, um, Donny Davis, the late Donny Davis of the Manchester Guardian, he he kept little private notes on the players and. With Eddie, he said, uh, deadly from two yards. In fact, Eddie only scored about two or three goals for United all of the time. So Nobby was, I think Nobby still had stars in his contact lensed eyes about Eddie Coleman because, you know, he was from the Manchester area like Nobby and and, and was, as you
2: say, his hero. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Styles comes into the team and not an ever present straight away, but um, certainly gets a, a fair number of games this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Busby's making a lot of changes. Obviously, he's introduced those young players, but he's also looking elsewhere outside the club. There's a couple of um, friendlies that are played in October and November. Real Madrid visit Old Trafford. Okay. And they win three two. Um, they then they play a friendly against Bayern Munich, um, where they win three. Where United win three one, and Alex Dawson scores an hat trick. Now, the day before the game, there's a couple of transfers that are, that are made. First of all, um, Noel Cantwell comes in and um, he signed for £20,000, and we'll talk about him a little bit further down the line. But perhaps the most um, eye-raising, eyebrow-raising transfer of the day um, was Albert Scanlon. He'd agreed to move to um, Charlie Mittens' Newcastle. He still played in the game against Bayern Munich, the friendly game, but he'd already agreed to move. Um, and then this was an interesting one because um, Newcastle making waves, spending some money, but a lot of going on at Newcastle that were going to affect the wider game.
3: Yes, indeed. I mean the um, the, the the manager of Newcastle is Charlie Mitten, great Manchester United outside left of the Busby era, era, but sold against his will to to Fulham. Um, because he'd gone to Colombia and, and defied Busby, and Busby felt he had to make a point. Uh, we've dealt with that in previous episodes, but they're, you know, the bridges are, are all mended between them now, and, and now in management with Newcastle, and initially doing very, very well. However, at the beginning of this 1960-61 season, his star player, George Easton, virtually goes on strike. This is at the time where there's tremendous tension between the players and their and the club ownerships over the maximum wage. It's now gone up to £20, but it, it's nowhere near the value of the players. And in fact, already the chairman of Fulham, uh, Tommy Trinder, has said that his star player, Johnny Haynes, is worth £100 a week, five times the most he can be legally paid. So Eastham catching the mood of this um and with the support of the players union under under uh, J- the leadership of jimmy hill uh, the militant uh, rightly militant leadership of jimmy hill um it's almost like like a test case The Eastham goes on strike and eventually it's a headache for mitten once the rebel you know now you know the the uh, the uh, poacher, um inadvertently turned gamekeeper he's now having to deal with this situation newcastle decide to sell for forty-seven thousand five hundred pounds to arsenal and with this money mitten with the team you know short of confidence rocked by tra- the trauma of the eastern episode um Going in a very downward trajectory. Remember, they in the previous episode we mentioned that they'd handsomely beaten Man United, Mitten putting one over Busby. But now, of course, they were going in in a, in a very poor direction, and w- they desperately tried to spend some of the Eastern money. And uh, he, uh, Albert Scanlon goes to join Mitten at Newcastle. It was, however um to be an ill-fated move because at the end of the season despite trying to reinvest the east some of the eastern money newcastle were to be relegated manchester united yes early season they were looking as if they were taking the plunge but as we mentioned results did improve under a new captain wayne um the We mentioned, I think, in the last episode, or maybe the last one before, the promotion of Dennis Violet, Munich survivor, magnificent player, um, to the captaincy. But really, he was a a goal scorer and needed to concentrate on making and taking goals. He broke his collarbone in, was it November? And the natural choice as, as the captain was Morris Setters, who'd been a very, very good signing from West Bromwich, um, and had come in and had helped to make United harder to play against. Um, and in this season, he was to tame such great players as, uh, as great threats to United, as uh, Jimmy Greaves, when United uh, played the, the, the great Tottenham, and, um, and a man called Dennis Law, um who uh, had who, who'd been signed by Manchester City. I mean, you already Matt had Matt must have been had tried to sign Dennis Law twice. Um, but City had brought when he come to Manchester, he'd gone to City. Um, but, but Setters got the better of him um in two derbies. So um yeah, there were the season did get a lot better. Uh, than
2: the early uh, early uh,
3: indications had suggested.
2: Yeah, um, not before the um, embarrassment in two cup competitions. Now, say two cup competitions. People yeah. might say, well. There's only the FA Cup. United aren't in Europe. No, they're in the League Cup, which was Alan Ardek's, um yeah his, his solution to to the European Cup, which seems laughable now, considering um, the, yeah. the reputation of the League Cup. But they, it was introduced as uh, another incentive, another competition for, for um, another knockout competition to rival the FA Cup. Well, yeah. they didn't get the um, excitement of the Old Trafford faithful. To be honest, um, they played in, in against um, Exeter in the first round. They came through a crowd of just over fifteen thousand Old Trafford. Then they play at Bradford in, in the second round. Uh, they're eliminated in front of 4,670 people, so yeah. not a lot of interest there. Rather no, there, than... was... <laughs> there
3: wasn't the League Cup. The League Cup was actually to, I mean, to be fair, I think if we sort of look at it from today's perspective, um, it, it has proved itself. Yeah. Um, not everybody can play in Europe, and I think quite a few teams have, uh, including big clubs. I remember George Graham's Arsenal. it was it was winning a league cup that really made them believe that they could kick on and, and they went on in the sort of early Ferguson era at United. Arsenal went on to yeah. to be really the club to beat and, and won two titles in three years and I, so the league cup yes, was to become significant, but you're quite right at first it was um, I can actually remember. It was uh, it was to be um, very very low down the list of, of most clubs' priorities. I mean, even at a time of falling gates, fifteen thousand at Old Trafford was
2: uh, well, but it told its own story, didn't it? Yeah, um, they did get sixty-two thousand through the gate to to welcome Sheffield Wednesday to Old Trafford early February. Well, that was
3: the F- that was the FA Cup, still the biggest show. Um, even in Manchester, where Europe had uh, become so such a glamour uh, activity, uh, the FA Cup still pulled the crowds in. Sixty, what is it? Sixty-three and a half thousand against Sheffield Wednesday. They must have, they must have Enjoyed hated it a day. Most of them. <laughs> What was uh, it, a Hillsborough, or I thought it was at Old, old Trafford? No, it was Old yeah. Trafford. Yeah. Um,
2: no, they certainly did not. And In-
3: what was the score, Wayne? What was the score? I'm, I'm a neutral. I'm, I need to be reminded of it. What was it?
2: Yeah. Um, well, there were a few goals. It was a nine-goal thriller. Nine-goal thriller. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: That—that yeah, yeah. yeah. that was what the many evening news would have called
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for Manchester United, they came out on the wrong side that nine-goal thriller by um, yeah. uh, a measure of seven goals to two, Sheffield right. Wednesday of all teams. Scoring seven goals, so this is the third visit to Old Trafford in in four years in in the FA Cup, and obviously the first um, time um, that emotional um, occasion just after Munich. Yes. This time, well, the last two times they've tasted victory, and very, very handsomely so on this occasion, in front of yeah, you're quite right, sixty five thousand uh, were there to see that. Um, that came against a bad job. Yes, there was this cup elimination, but United were. Looking better in the league by the end of the calendar year, they had um consecutive hat tricks again from Alex Dawson, who was just like yes. a goal machine. He scores against mm. Chelsea on Boxing Day, he scores three and then three against Manchester City on New Year's Eve. United looking to turn the corner, um, looking a lot better. What would you attribute that to, Paddy? Um, just a, a case of the new lads settling in or or Busby? yes,
3: yeah, of... I, I, I think uh. Um, I, th- I, th- I think the Setters effect um, yeah. helped, um, particularly his, you know, targeting of the opposition's star man. His ability to sniff out trouble. I think I think that did help. Not always. There's still some batterings we're going to have to address. Um, also, the signing of a, a little bit of a, a settle settling of of the back. Back three, back three, stroke four. Um, in the, you mentioned the signing of Noel Cantwell from West Ham. Um, it was actually, the, they had to pay nearly 30,000 for him, uh, nearly 28. But Busby knew he needed leadership and Cantwell was very much that man. He came from the sort of Oxbridge of football intellectualism at, at, at West Ham at West Ham United where they thought a lot about the game and they were forceful characters, all of the lads that came out of there. Cantwell was very much an example of that, could play center half, but Matt wanted him to play for Manchester United at left back, you know, sort of to provide the leadership, a little bit of the, the leadership that was had been epitomized by Roger Byrne pre-Munich. and uh, And that did prove very, very successful. Uh, or was to prove very very successful so that was a that was a good signing and 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 the exp- the, the 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 power of setters the experience of cantwell those had been definite um positive factors in steering united away from trouble and uh, once again looking up the league rather than down
2: yeah a couple of um other changes as well we mentioned the young lad styles coming in doing really well meyer yeah uh, Looking quite good actually in, in his early games. They had um, United played a March friendly down at Chester, who were now managed yeah. by Stan Pearson. Um, United yeah. won 6 0 on the day. And one of the directors said, Will you just take the game money and leave us young, young lads? Referring to Styles and Meyer. Obviously, yeah. they were needed for United. Um, another fairly big change throughout the um, second half of the season. You mentioned the defensive reshuffling. It was now mm. clear that folks was um, in the number five shirt for good. We'll get yeah. on to the um, players who were going to be testing that earlier in the season. But folks had now emerged as centre off rather than mm. a right back. Yeah. Um, he had a little spell a year or so ago in the reserve team. So he was um, really flourishing in his new position at centre off. But where the United's dipping form came after Christmas was the, the fact that the rest of the reserves occasionally coming in and they weren't up to it. I mean, Harry Gregg suffered this injury as um, Paddy mentioned earlier and he had a few injuries. It, it's a strange one as well because sometimes when you look back at Harry Gregg's unfortunate injury record you wonder how much of it. I know that there were different injuries. He had shoulder injuries and stuff like that. But he played on for a long time with a fractured skull that was never sort of dressed or, or mended. Do you know and I, I'm not saying? that. When his shoulder injuries were obviously a separate thing, but you wonder how much of that played into it. Because he, I mean, well, he, yes, a, sh- a shoulder and back. Uh, I mean, you remember the
3: cup final where he's barged yeah. in the back over the line, and and yes, uh, Harry did suffer from a lot of in uh, a lot of injuries. He uh, he made very little of the um, of the of the skull fracture at Munich. Um, a very very brave. Uh, human being uh, but he did confess oh, I, was, I was worried about my back he got a, sh- a shoulder charge in. Uh, well, didn't mind a shoulder charge but he got a shoulder charge in from Alfredo Di Stefano in, in the friendly against Real Madrid and he, he, he said I was still shaking 20 minutes later but uh, no the, the, the he did have a lot of injuries and the his worth to United was kind of illustrated by the fact that his deputy was another um, Northern Irishman but one of very tender years called Ronnie Briggs who who came in who was playing in the Sheffield Wednesday game um, had previously had a bit of a nightmare I can't remember who it was against but was just too young um, just too young at that time and Suffered the kind of lonely terror that only goalkeepers really
2: um, endure at a, at a very tender age. Yeah, they, um, the the other one was against Leicester City. They lost by um, by a big score. I think it was six six, no. No, Leicester. six at Leicester. You know, you know what happened at Leicester? This
3: the, this 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 was another thing. You know, I did say that it was a season, yes, of steering away from trouble and looking up rather than down. However, the Leicester one uh, infuriated Busby. It was 6-0, and there was, the story there was that when they arrived at Filbert Street, as the ground then was, um, they, the players were some of the players were late getting off the bus. And it's because they wanted to finish a card game, and Busby didn't like that. Um, he felt it was unprofessional. They lost 6-0, and when they got back on the bus, the bus was steaming away up to north, and Busby, to his incredulity, noticed that despite having lost 6-0, this bunch were um, had resumed their card game. So he walked over to the table, picked up the cards, opened the window, and threw them out. And uh, no further comment was required. Um, so yes, it was it, it was a problem. Harry Gregg remained out for a while, but Busby knew that he'd really blundered by putting in Briggs at a, such a young age. He went to QPR, got an amateur player called Mike Pinner, who really was as fundamental as Setters or the and, and or or the fools finally settling down at centre half. Pinho was really fundamental in steadying the ship. And um, uh, uh, yes, he he, he definitely had a cameo role um, in that season. Uh, Really, really helped United to get through without further damage.
2: Yeah, because they they were desperate for um, a senior set of hands in there. Gaskell, he was called in, but still a little bit green.
3: a little immature, yeah. Uh, Not ready, but, uh, and and of course, poor Ronnie uh, Briggs, uh, who, by the way, was later to play for Northern Ireland. So um, he he showed a bit of character. I I think he recalled, no, it was written in one of the newspaper accounts of the time that after the 7-2 Sheffield Wednesday, he came off the pitch, you know, really with his hand over his eyes so
2: that people couldn't see that he was crying and
3: um, I've got the just... quote
2: we will come to Wait. a good time yeah Have you got it there we've got the quote in fact, I'll read it now yeah it was okay, uh, basically it's, um, it was a Sheffield Wednesday game where they lost seven um, a lot of blame Paul on Briggs uh, because it's one of those where he just couldn't read it and two of the shots went through his hands basically and the, the quote was a nightmare on a dream ma- a nightmare in a dream match and in seven dreadful minutes he presented Wednesday with three goals this is the line the boy in white pants six inches too short for his lanky legs came off the field last and alone, clutching his cap, covering his tears with his left hand and loping with schoolboy awkwardness towards the player's tunnel. In his last stride, he posed to look up shyly at the pack stand, expecting perhaps assault or abuse. He received neither. Manchester, bless its broken sporting heart, gave him a cheer wonderful i mean
3: those i don't know you, you don't know who wrote those lines do you because i mean they were worthy of a couple of the greats who, who who great journalists who died at munich um george follows could have written that um donnie davis of the manchester guardian could have written that a wonderful wonderful piece of uh, sports writing but uh, Anonymous was it uh Wayne? You don't have the, I think it was uh, the evening
2: was it? news. I, I couldn't find the, well, the, the source. Evening
3: news. Well in that case it would have been it would have been uh, David Meek.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Excellent. yeah, United did recover towards the back end of the season. They they went on a good run towards the end. I think it's um seven unbeaten. In April they welcomed champions Burnley to Old Trafford. Um and they won 6-0. There are two hat tricks in there. And now um, oh, Dawson, you wouldn't believe this, but Alex Dawson almost becoming surplus to requirements because mm. the, there's a bit of quality coming back into that front line, as evidenced by the hat tricks on the day scored by Dennis Violet and Albert Quicksole, who's now getting among the goals himself. So, mm. yeah, a really statement, a really big statement result. United do finish the end, uh, finish the season strongly, um, seventh. They finish at one point, like you said, they were they were careering close to the relegation zone, uh, but five wins and two draws from the last seven games. Uh, there was also a little bit of defeat in the youth cup, and if we talk about how green some of these lads were, you'll get a men- you'll get a reference here, um, in the fifth round exit at Stoke, uh, the unfortunate Ronnie Briggs, Jimmy Nicholson, and Ian Meyer, all of whom had already played for United. First team, and a little bit of trivia that the youth team also included Dennis Walker, United's first black player. Uh, but mm. it was the first time that United had even finished, uh, even failed to reach the semi final of the, the youth cup. So, a sign of the um, rebuilding that's going on at that level. Um, another post season trip, United go to Italy and Malta to finish that season. But um, all in all, Paddy, I mean, considering where they were in the autumn, seventh. Two good runs of results, basically, despite the cup results. It's the kind of rebuilding exercise that Busby would have felt a little bit more positive about at the end of the mm. season.
3: Mm. I don't know if you have all the results there, but you've already mentioned uh, the victory over champions Burnley. Did United not also get the better of the team who's Who succeeded, who were in this season to succeed Burnley as champions, the great Spurs double team?
2: Did you know? In in early January, they scored, uh, they won 2 0 Pearson and Nobby Styles getting among the goals there. Yeah, so in in January.
3: So this is a victory. You know, the the, the 6 0 battering at at Leicester is achieved by the same team who beat one of the greatest uh, teams, in my opinion. One of the greatest teams ever to emerge in British football, It'll certainly be one of the, the top ten uh, champions of all time, it was the Spurs double team of that 60-61 season. Um, a wonderful, wonderful team, and yet United were capable of beating them. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it, it, it's an extra a season of. It has to be said the characteristic ups and downs. Every Busby season included a heroics against one of the top sides. I can't think yeah. of any that didn't. Um, so uh, this was this was certainly no exception. And um, and as, as we say, you know, the the, the, the the we've mentioned setters. We'll get. I'm sure we'll get onto that when you. Discuss the tactics and the and a typical lineup of the team. Which my guess is that you're not going to lay us down
2: and you're going to do it as you always do. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go through the squad statistics first, then, because um, there are a few actually eight or nine coming into the side this season. Um, before we talk about Ronnie Briggs, we'll talk about uh, Harry Gregg. Was a senior uh, was the number one um, when he was available. Thirty appearances, which tells you how, how badly his injury problems restricted him. Uh, those thirteen all competitions, twenty seven in the league. Gaskell, as his standing, played 11 in all competitions, 10 of those in the league. It is the other standings that are, uh, are of interest for this episode. You've got Ronnie Briggs. Belfast-Bone, nice six foot too high, really. Um, and his debut was in that defeat against uh, Leicester. We've already talked about the press criticism that he received. Uh, as you already mentioned, Paddy, I mean, all's well that would end well for Ronnie, even only a year later. So he's still 18 when he played for Northern Ireland. Although unlucky lad that he was, he ended up scoring four, uh, conceding four times on his debut against Wales, which, um, unfortunate for him. You mentioned Mike Pinner as well. Um, let's give a little bit of background for Mike Pinner. He was a journeyman amateur, really, with 52 yes. caps for the amateur team, English team. He'd also, um, amateur English national team, I should say. He'd also played for a number of amateur clubs as well. He'd been around the block a little bit. Um, he'd made appearances for the British team in the 56 and 60 Olympics. Maybe Busby feeling that there was a little bit of um, inspiration from the Warren Bradley route to, to, to <laughs> Um But, um, yeah, he came in after Briggs's struggle. Now, he, he didn't keep a clean sheet in the four appearances that he played, but... He did steady the ship. He had the experience of steadying the ship when you had this defensive reorganisation trying to find its feet again. Uh, before making the decision to go professional, he was actually a lawyer, and he became a property developer af- alongside his professional career. Um, yeah, he made, in, in keeping with Pinner's journeyman career, it even translated into his professional career because he made only these four appearances for the club, and he moved to Chelsea at the start of the following season. But much like... We'll probably talk about Tony Cotten in 30 years' time. who Maybe we won't because he never made a single appearance for the club, but his actual presence of the club made a a bit of a significant difference right at the time when um, United needed it. And a podcast like this is to shine a light on someone like Mike Pinner, who I bet 99% of people watching this. Or listening back to it would never have heard of before, but he did come in and helped at a, a crucial time. Um mm. another of those with a peripheral contribution was Harold Bratt. He made one single appearance in, in the League Cup, um, as Busby setting the tone for how the League Cup would be used by Manchester United. Um, he was a member of the nineteen fifty-seven youth cup team at left half. <laughs> Um, His only appearance did come at Bradford. He joined Doncaster at the end of this season and later joined Greater Manchester Police and played for Altrincham. The other left-back, or the other full-backs should say, Joe Carolan, who was the prominent member of the team Mm -hmm. in the the previous season. He only played three appearances um, in all competitions, two of those in the league. Brennan, now the um, dominant right-back at 41 appearances in the league and 46 in all competitions. Tommy Heron, um, just a single-league appearance, and he'd obviously made some appearances before as well. Uh, the other fullbacks this season, you mentioned Tony Dunn earlier on, uh, signed, mm-hmm. by, signed from Shelbourne. Um, he made his debut at Burnley in a 4-3 defeat. John Canelli giving him a bit of a, a rough time on his debut. Uh, he only played four appearances this season. Obviously, as you can tell, there's a few more to come. Um, three <laughs> appearances are in the league, so he's learning his trade. Mostly because Noel Campbell's coming, and he's the a, a dominant left-hand side. Um, another, um, we talked earlier on um, in earlier episodes about sportsmen of multiple disciplines. Mm. Um, Campbell's a top-class cricketer and, and footballer from County Coke. Um, you're quite right, Paddy. I mentioned 20,000 earlier on, but it's actually 29,500, 5, 29, another of those. Busby really liked that figure of money, didn't he? Around twenty-nine to 31,000. <laughs> He didn't um, like
3: to go above thirty, of
2: course. Yeah. <laughs> um, international class fullback, uh, like Setters, immediately came in with authority. A fullback to play on the left hand side, um, done perhaps not quite ready, but can well with bags of experience, assuming the first team role. Basically, of Roger Dunne, uh Roger Byrne even, and, and soon being earmarked for the captaincy. Even though, of course, that is in the possession of Setters at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Campbell in all competitions played 27 games this season and scored two goals. Both of those goals came in the FA Cup. Um 24 appearances in the league. Uh, I swear at fullback Ronnie Cope who now moved to right back as um Bill Folks was the um dominant centre half. Cope made seven appearances in all competitions, six in the league. Uh, moving to the um, half back line, Bill Folks made 45 appearances in all competitions 40 of those in the league we didn't actually start the season in the number five shirt that was frank haydock um, he was a Ecclesborn bone center half who come through the ranks he started the season in the number five shirt cope was the one who actually took it off him originally and then folks came in to take over mm-hmm. after that um in the half back line we already talked about um styles earlier but we'll come on to him in a moment give a, a brief mention for Jimmy Nicholson who made his debut this season Belfast bonus I think Paddy already said earlier mm. on he made 37 appearances so already coming in just as a kid 37 appearances in all competitions 5 goals all of those goals came in the league and in 31 league appearances now mm. uh, He was a man, or a man of a boy, really, again like Duncan Edwards. Due to his schoolboy prowess and his nationality, there was a little bit of paper talk or speculation that he might, or hope, really, that he'd be a blend of Edwards and Blanche flower. Um, Mm -hmm. Even before he made his debut for United, he played in a a B international for Northern Ireland. So he was really highly thought of. um, A pure passer, strong in the tackle, but um, like Edwards, often did receive comments about his weight. Um, unfortunately for, for Nicholson, I think those bobs would stay with him for a little while. Edwards obviously grew into a man. Um, Nicholson had to contend with those for a little while. Um, Nobby Stiles, as we already mentioned earlier, the son of Charlie Stiles, at a Collyhurst undertaker who was involved actually in the, the funerals of some of the perished babes. Mm. Uh, and then Nobby attended many of those. Uh, his hero, as we already mentioned, was Eddie Coleman. He cleaned his boots. And um, after he scored against Newcastle early, earlier in the season, he actually said, this was his quote, it, it showed a touch of collie. I broke quickly and sent the ball into the top corner. It was a nice goal for a kid to dedicate to his hero. Um, mm. As we already mentioned, Styles did score another goal that season. Two goals in 31 appearances and mm-hmm. two in 26 in the league. So, um yeah, you know, those two goals actually quite memorable. Obviously, one for his being his first goal, and the second because it was against the champions. I liked he actually said prior to his own debut of his own mm-hmm. ascent into the reserves that playing for United's reserves at the start at the end of 1958 meant rather less than it might have done at the start of the year, mm-hmm. uh, which was interesting. Styles even played it inside forward in his early days due to his diminutive size mm-hmm. while he got into the rigors of first team football, maybe. Um, he put those contact lenses in, and the size of the goal in front of him was <laughs> bigger <enough> than <to laughs> two yards. Um, the other halfbacks, Maurice Setters, um, now obviously um, a dominant feature in that back, halfback line. Four goals in forty-five appearances. Forty of those were in the league. Nobby Lawton, and you mentioned him earlier in the episode, and we've mentioned him earlier on. Made two appearances, just one in the league. Mm. And the um, the halfback, uh, the forward line. Sorry, Warren Bradley, just four league appearances as he um, comes to the end of his memorable um, and crucial (laughs) contribution to United history. Alex Dawson, 20 goals in 34 appearances, 16 in 28 in the league. Johnny Giles, three goals in 25 appearances, two in 23 in the league. Kenny Morgan's one of those Munich survivors now, um, again, struggling with the, the weight of expectation. Two goal, uh, two appearances, just two league appearances this season. Scanlon before he sold to Newcastle, one goal in 11 appearances, eight of those appearances in the league. Mark Pearson, nine goals in 33 appearances, seven in 27 in the league. Bobby Charlton, the top goal scorer, with 21 goals and um, in 42, 21 in 39 in the league. Quicksoul, um, Now really among the goals, 15 goals in 41 appearances, 13 in 38 in the league. He's really doing a decent job after that early struggle. And Dennis Violet, of course, even accounting for the um, injury that he suffered, 16 goals in 27, 15 in 24 in the league. Um, And finally, that brings us to Ian Meyer, who we mentioned earlier on, an Aberdeen-born right winger. Look at that tuft of hair. and Really... um, uh, a tall and quick guy and he had a really slender yeah. way of a little bit like Stan Pearson really but um, on the wide right um, you know you might, might remember Jimmy Delaney coming in a little bit shorter a little bit stockier Ian yeah. Moyes, a little bit of class around him and um, really highly rated at the time because uh, of yeah. all his dribbling style and um, yeah he made his debut in the same game as Styles back in uh, back in October you're quite right Paddy. we'll come on to the tactics now yeah um, um, put them. Now, it's very difficult really to put a, a definite um, formation out here because a lot of players play between 20 and 30 games again, but this is the, the closest you can get to a team that looks like it's there. Because yes. you, You've got Mayuruka play on the right-hand side. He played his fair amount of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Scandal obviously played some. Warren Bradley. Um, all these kind of players. So, yeah, you've got Greg in goal Yeah. Uh, five changes as well, more or less, to the most prominent first team of the previous season, which, again, Paddy... And when you look at the composition of the front line, the fact that Charlton's on the left-hand side, but even Moyer would play on the left sometimes, and Dawson's on the right, Pearson through the middle, it mm-hmm. shows you that there's a great versatility there, but also that Busby hasn't quite settled on on a perfect front line yet.
3: Yeah, there are the, 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 th- the two things that st- stand out for me there. Um, I mean, are the uh, Matt moving Charlton to outside left, yeah. um, which, um, if, you know, apart from anything else, reflects the preponderance of sort of creative goal scoring, mid, attacking midfield players, if you like Quicksilver, Violet, Pearson, and Mark Pearson, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, not to mention the attacking contribution of Nicholson. So Charlton moves to outside left. Dawson would have played through the middle at times, although yeah. Busby used him mainly as you as you rightly um, denote there uh, on the right. Yet still he scored and scored and scored. And yet Busby clearly wondered if he had quite Manchester United class about him. Uh, And the other key is the defence settling down a bit. Now, the setters could slip in there alongside folks and help out. That was key. That enabled uh, folks to settle at centre-half, where Busby had always wanted him to settle, and and, and where he was to prove himself a united great. Cantwell at at left-back and Brennan at right-back. Now, that's interesting because when Brennan didn't play it right, but bear in mind that Brennan was of the line that had included Carey, John Aston Senior, uh, the great Roger Byrne, of fullbacks who'd begun as either inside or outside forwards and had moved back so that they could play from the back. Uh, Brennan uh, was to again prove a historic figure, at right back um, and he, when he didn't play his deputy was was Tony Dunn who you mentioned who would just been bought for 5,000 from Shelburne in Dublin and my word Brennan and Dunn those two names were to but anyway that's for another episode so uh, yeah um, it's a it's a time of uh, you know constant evolution but uh, in terms of the, the, the Manchester United defence, uh, an evolution that was to uh, was to prove historic
2: in the years to come. Yeah, interesting as well to note that um, you <laughs> mentioned setters would drop into the back line, but at the time, very much um, this was seen as the formation of the day when we're, we're sort of 14, 15 yeah. years into the series now and yes. this still um, this, it's a gradually changing one um, shape that becomes more prominent and more official over time, but yeah as, as you already mentioned there, there's a lot more um, emphasis on not pragmatism but sort of like a sensible approach not that you would tell from United's um, goal tally this season which is 88 goals scored and 76 shipped <laughs> so we're talking about the defensive settlement, but you, you well, getting...
3: be, Mustby be was one of the few managers that wasn't worried about that, this is why all over the world, managers were sort of beginning to think in terms of a back four, but Busby, resisted. he wasn't too bothered. Well, he was bothered because he didn't like losing 6-0 and winning 6-0, but uh, he was less bothered about it than some, put it that way. Yeah. Um, but bear in mind, it was still at a time of where the best teams could be flamboyant. Uh, the great Tottenham that I mentioned, and, and Bill Nicholson, their manager, was very much of the belief of busby that football was an entertainment um uh, they scored 115 in the league alone now the
2: 80 that united scored would probably win the league most years now wouldn't it yeah yeah, absolutely. Um and 76 would be enough to get them relegated. <laughs> well, where <did> <laughs> you... <laughs> true. Where where did they where they finished 7th again? 7th in the league, yeah. Um so a, a decent finish considering yeah where they where they started um the way that they started the season. Um yeah, just looking at the um the trivial points that we always comment on the the colors this season they actually made a minor change to the home kit. They they wore white socks. Um, yes, yes. They wore well, that um, in their own kit. So red, white and white. The old white away strip remained as it was in the United Review with, with the strange um, strange body composition handshake still still in, in place. Um, the average attendance, Paddy mentioned this earlier. Yes, it went down to 15,000 uh, for the League Cup game, but it actually dropped to 10,000 mm. um, overall. So it's 30, 38,501 this season. We already mentioned um, Bobby Charlton, top goal scorer. Maybe a little bit of, I'm not saying less than in belief, but uh, maybe maybe a bit of post-Munich fatigue from the supporters who have been through this big emotional ride. And yeah. it's a lot to sort of see this turnover of, of kids who aren't quite um, the Busby Babes, um, which is understandable. Um, the, the key results, obviously, being the 6-0 win over Burnley. And you mentioned the 2-0 win over spurs and also the the christmas results where they battered chelsea and manchester city um again an indication that united were um heading somewhat in the right direction and were at least capable of of um, handling themselves with the best elsewhere in football paddy you quite rightly mentioned spurs um Winning the league in FA Cup, a fantastic team, and um, they'd actually beaten United earlier in the season 4 1. And You've already given due credit to, to a fantastic team there, Bill Nicholson. Um, just uh, what can you say, Spurs, in you know, the last time they won the league. So, we've got to if there are any Spurs fans who stumbled their way onto this podcast, then you've got to give them the due credit because um, we we, and we have gone to the other sides, you know, the Newcastles and Arsenals and Portsmouths before. So Spurs, of this first of this series to win a league and cup double, you've got to sort of take your heart off to, to the marvellous achievement, haven't you? Mm, yes,
3: absolutely. One other tiny detail, if I might squeeze it in, is that the league cup, as you rightly say, this was the inaugural season. And in the end, it was won by the manager, was uh, an old friend of Busby's and a, a man who was to remain a, a, uh, a Mancunian neighbor and rival, but that's for another episode or two. Was Joe Mercer? Won it with, uh, he'd gone into management with uh, Aston Villa and had won a two legged final uh, against Rotherham United. That's the first League Cup final.
2: And Mer- it was- Mercer, of course, uh, the man who told Busby to get Edwards. Um, when he was disappointed yes. about missing out on Evans. So, already a it man is. with um, with a long history attached to United. Yeah, elsewhere in English football, um, Ipswich, notable promotion to Division 1 with Alf Ramsey as manager. Mm-hmm. Um, Peterborough in Division 4. Why are we mentioning Peterborough? Well, they set a record this season. Obviously, the Division 4 is a new division, but they scored 134 goals, which is an English league record. Another record was set in the summer of '61, Paddy. um, After Benfica won the European Cup, Mm -hmm. we talked about the Italians wanting to spend money. You mentioned Dennis Law, and he um, is lured by the lira, isn't he? He Goes to Torino for one hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, and that's after
3: having had the double completed over him by Manchester United. Uh, while, while with Man City. They'd, they'd won the race for him. As, as, as we know from previous episodes, Matt fancied him from the age of 18, Dennis Law, and kept trying to bring him. Uh, wasn't successful. Um, uh, Bill Shankly had tried to take him to Liverpool as well. Bill Shankly had been his manager at, at Huddersfield. But no, uh, the, the lure of the lira. Uh, by the way, just for younger
2: Uh, That was the old Italian currency before the Euro. Um, Yeah, another interesting story on Dennis Lowe, where he um, obviously played against United's youth team back in the day. And I think he'd scored a couple of goals against United in either the Youth Cup or the reserve team. David Gaskell was the goalkeeper. He... um, made a very unfortunate decision, Gaskell, to applaud Dennis for scoring a, an amazing goal against him. while well, Jimmy Murphy was not very happy about that. He pinned him up in the dressing room and he said, Well how dare you applaud another player for you know blah, blah blah gave him the right act and then the first thing he did once he was back on the bus was like make a plan to tell Busby all about Dennis Low <laughs> <laughs> who scored <laughs> and I think that was the instigation for the first bid which was failed um before Just do it, yeah. I did, I,
3: you've, I'm sorry, I know we've gone, we've overrun as we so often do on these episodes, but I have to tell you, there was a Jimmy Murphy classic about, we've, we've spoken quite a lot about Ian Moyer, the Scottish winger. Apparently one time, uh, it might have been for the reserves or something, but Ian Moyer was playing on the wing and he kept overrunning the ball into touch. Uh, before he could cross and and uh anyway at halftime murphy uh does a switch switches him with the center forward and plays him center forward in the second half and uh the the guy who who had been switched with sammy mcmillan uh says to murphy at the end you know why did you switch me to the wing he says well i wanted ian at the at center forward so he could overrun the ball into the net (laughs)
2: Good, good that Murphy's still got his um, wits about him after you know after enduring such tragedy. But he's he's one of many wisecracks that Murphy would make over the the coming years as well. making the stuff a legend. Um, yeah, um, that about wraps it up for this episode. If you're watching the video, give it a like and subscribe, join in the conversation in the comment section. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, uh, please be sure to subscribe and give us a review on the platform you're listening on. And while you're on the channel, why not choose one of the many other um, episodes that we've got of United History where we, you know, look at the various facets of the Sir Matt Busby reign and the other reigns to come as well. Um, yeah, thanks for watching, thanks for listening and we'll be back soon.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants 18+ serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.